In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Listen, you screwheads, you jerk faces. Here is a woman who would not take it anymore, who would stand up against the Martin Scorsese's, the David Lynch's, the Quentin Tarantino's, the Federico Fellini's, the Woody Allen. Someday a real rain is going to come and wash all the scum off of Craig's list. (laughs) All the animals come out at night. Bronco, Benny, Frankie. They sleep in our bed and they shit on the sheets. (laughs) No, they don't. No, well... Hi, guys. Hi, <laughs> Craig's listeners. That's a little bit of Carla's interior monologue <laughs> as she slowly goes insane while patrolling the streets oh. of Craig's list. I think this is the one that's pushed me to the edge the most. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that. Hi, yeah. guys. Uh, this is episode 58 of Craig's list. We're getting into number 43. And this is a 1976 film by Martin Scorsese entitled Taxi Driver. It stars Robert De Niro as the titular driver, uh, whose name is? I don't know. Travis. <laughs> Travis Bueller. Travis Bueller. <laughs> because there's that famous scene where he's waiting to get a fare, and then the guy's like, Bueller? Yeah. Bueller. <laughs> Bueller. And he's not there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everybody remembers that scene, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, this scene, ha- uh, this movie has one of the top 10 movie quotes of all time. You talking to me? You talking to me? <laughs> me? <laughs> right? Uh, this movie was nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actress, and Best Music for the posthumously for the late Bernard Herrmann. Did Jodie Foster get the supporting actress? Jodie Foster did get the, did get the best supporting actress nomination for this film. This movie won the Palm Door at the Cannes Film Festival. That means nothing to me. (laughs) Uh, that's the French. Okay. Uh, and, uh, the French, (laughs) the French, uh, gave this movie an award. And when the, uh, the film magazine Sight and Sound did its, uh, influential, uh, critics and movie directors poll in 2012, movie directors named this the number five film of all time. It's number, that can't be right. It's number 43 (laughs) on, uh, on Craig's list. But in order to help Carla out today, uh, the, maybe we, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. She's wearing a poker face right now. <laughs> so we don't know where she falls, uh, in line with this movie, but we are in Portland, Oregon, by we the are. way, where Carla lives. It's true. And works. Right. And I'm up here working for a month and we're trying to get in as many podcasts as we can, but we're also trying to get some Portland friends on the podcast. And we have a friend here today. She is a actress and improviser and, uh, also, an early 
adapter to Craig's list. She's been listening from the beginning, I believe, <laughs> uh, and is yeah. always sending us encouraging tweets and messages. Uh, please welcome Erin Jean O'Regan. Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> welcome. It's so exciting. We got you on. It this worked is, out. This is so exciting for me. I, I don't think I started from the very beginning, but um, yeah, I've listened to a lot of these. And <laughs> I don't watch a lot of movies. Really? <laughs> don't know half the movies, but <laughs> I get you, Carla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're so nice. Uh it's been a long a while now that you've like reached out and said, Oh, I listened to this one or I listened to that one. Yeah. What was the first episode you listened to? Do you oh, remember? I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember like a lot of the details because I'm I'll be honest. Kind of waiting for Carla's quotes. Because <laughs> I can tell, like, okay, Craig's really into the movies. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting, like, how you, you can start understanding Craig a little better about how you really remember all of those little details of, of yeah. things. And then Carla's just like, I can see Carla folding clothes or <laughs> brushing the dog and watching so true. it. true. Mostly on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you're saying you're not a big movie person? No, I'm not. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> no. How many movies a year do you say you go see in the theater? Oh, two. Two movies a year? Yep. And usually one is with my mom and my nieces. <laughs> so <laughs> it's animated and like second run. Does that count? <laughs> yes. That I'll see Minions again? Is okay. that going to count? <laughs> So you have not, you had not seen Taxi Driver. I had not. And I, when I went to watch it the other day, I got on, I was like, maybe it's on Netflix. Maybe it's on Hulu. And then I found Taxi, the show, and I love that show. (laughs) (laughs) So I sat and watched like an hour or two of Taxi. Sure. Well, you got to watch the one where Reverend Jim is getting his driver's test, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, on Hulu, they have like the best episodes ranked. I'm like, oh, great. And I just, I sat here and I kept looking at my watch like, oh, I, I really need to start this taxi movie. Sure. <laughs> then you watch the Jimmy Fallon Queen Latifah taxi. <laughs> I saw that there was an, there was another taxi. Then there's movie. the Mr. taxi driver is a movie that's on there on iTunes as well. The taxi driver. The taxi driver. But that's not the the, not the one that I watched. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'd be so happy if you watched that one. It's animated, right? Good <laughs> God. There's also DC Cab with uh, Mr. T. Oh really? And uh, Gary Busey, I oh, believe. Oh Cash yeah. Cab. I mean, there's so Cash many cab? options. I could have yeah. gone in a lot of different oh. directions, but. But please tell me, you eventually saw the Martin Scorsese movie. With Robert De Niro, Sybil Shepard, yes, Albert Brooks, yes, Peter Boyle, Thank Jodie you. Foster. I did because it was just like I can't believe. I'll, every time I watch a movie such as this, I'm I'm sitting here thinking, how have I never watched this before? <laughs> right, because I don't watch movies. Yeah. It's nothing personal against <laughs> Robert De Niro. Right, I was fascinated by with all of the people that are in it. How young everybody was. Yeah. Yeah, this is 40 plus years ago at this point. Is yeah. it really? Well, 76, yeah. Oh, 41 that, years ago. 41 years 41 ago. Years I know ago. that for a fact. <laughs> she don't know movies, but she knows math, people. Oh, I know the year I was born. <laughs> you're, born you're born in 76? Yeah, so that's when I, when I was watching the opening credits. I'm like, okay, this has something to do with me, so I'll be interested <laughs> in it a little bit. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Uh, I just have to say we're in Aaron's lovely home, and this is where Craig and I both first uh, shot a BB gun. 
<laughs> That's correct. Yeah, Not we, in my home, in the backyard, in the backyard. <laughs> in the backyard. Yeah, we blew up some Lacroix cans yeah, real did. good. Yeah. yeah, we did. It was so fun. I really got excited about it. <laughs> you, you, you oscillated as to whether or not you were going to do it. I remember that day. You're like, I'm not sure. I have some yeah. thoughts about guns. I'm like, it's a BB gun. I, I want to throw rocks out the can. That's fun too. Honestly, it was more about embarrassing myself in front oh. of everyone, which I did for a little bit because I couldn't get it to hit it. <laughs> it took me maybe eight but shots. Totally worth it. Yeah. It was worth it. And then when it happened, I was like, yeah. Yeah. There was an orgy of, uh, of compressed air and, uh, and soda water. You don't have uh, to use the word orgy. Well, yeah, I was like, you kind of had a different experience than the rest of us, I think. <laughs> it was a little like Travis, uh, in the whorehouse at the end of the movie. Uh, uh, only instead of, um, hands being blown off, <laughs> it was Shasta cans <laughs> and LaCroix. <laughs> That was fun. It was fun watching everybody get excited. When, yeah, I guess that's the orgy part you're talking about. Yes, yes. We had an orgy in Aaron's backyard. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. Uh, that remains the lines. That remains the only time you've shot a BB gun, though, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But now that we're here, oh I might be able, Craig's listeners, I might be able to dredge up that video of Carla finally getting the successful shot in. And, and we'll, you took like 10 videos. I did. Like memory fall. <laughs> we're like, this is the one. This is definitely the one. Nope. The safety's still on. I mean, at the beginning, like everyone's gathered around. They're excited for Carla. Yeah. <laughs> By the time she shot it, people had gone inside. They, they left the party. They were like, oh, this party. Well, uh, Carla, you had never seen Taxi Driver before. Okay. So there's, I don't know. <laughs> there's some confusing memories that I have about it because okay. I knew things about it. And I remember seeing certain scenes. But then I think what happened is I watched, tried to watch it at one time and I got bored and turned it off. Okay. That's going to be my best guess as to. This is the period in your early 20s when you were like, I need to start watching some of these movies. Yes. And it's yeah. like around the time that I watched Dog Day Afternoon, like all these 70s movies. But Dog Day Afternoon you fell in love with. Chinatown. Yeah. Yeah. But I think this one I was like, this is so not my thing. This is not your thing. Hey, guess what? Still not. <laughs> confirmed. 15 years later, confirmed. <laughs> but you like De Niro. Sure. <laughs> I will. Well, I mean, I don't know. That's a, of course. <laughs> he's, he's a great actor. I will say at the time that I first saw this movie, I was a teenager. Uh, I'm sure I watched this movie with my friend Andrew that I've talked about many times. I think we were on a De Niro kick and he was by far my favorite actor at the time that I saw this movie. And uh, I believe I, I think I've said that Ian Holm is the actor with the most movies on my list. Uh, but I think De Niro actually has the same amount. I think he has six movies because I have four wow. Scorsese movies on the list and De Niro's in all of them. And then there's two other movies in the top 20 that are De Niro movies that we'll be covering as well. So um, I, I Analyze think – Analyze this. And analyze that. Boy. <laughs> We're going to analyze that bitch all over this place. Watch out. There's an orgy. analysis <laughs> about to happen. Uh, but this, this movie is not that dissimilar in, uh, in arc 
but the tone is different, but the the store the structure of it is kind of similar to King of Comedy, in a way of uh, of De Niro kind of playing a uh, a loser on the oh, yeah. periphery of society uh, who's trying to make a name for himself. Uh, so King of Comedy is kind of a, a more comedic is version. That what of- he was doing in this movie, trying to make a name for himself. Well, uh, I guess we'll we'll discuss that. Oh, I thought we were. Thought <laughs> <laughs> we were in the discussion. <laughs> discussion to follow. Good to know. Uh, Craig's listeners, if you're not familiar with the the plot of Taxi Driver, it concerns a, uh, a Vietnam vet, Travis Bickle, uh, who is mentally disturbed, played by Rob De Niro, who becomes a taxi driver in New York City in in the mid '70s. This is New York, kind of at its uh, height of uh, of being dangerous and dirty and full of. Uh, sex shops and porn <laughs> theaters. If you saw the HBO series, the deuce, uh, that was just on with, uh, James Franco, uh, that and Carla's shaking her head, but, uh, <laughs> nope. uh, nope. you watch that show, Aaron? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> Me it it's, it's, it's football season. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, that movie's about the, uh, the sex industry in, uh, New York in the early seventies, uh, prostitution and, uh, and pornography. And this is a time when, uh, Times Square was mostly, uh, porn theaters. You <laughs> have like, it's, it's amazing to, to think of. Uh, you know, especially when you see the, the, the cleaned up version of New York City this day that attracts tourists to know that, that that's what walking through Manhattan was like at the time. And this, here's a movie that was actually shot at that time. So the, you know, this is not a recreation like it was, uh, in the deuce. This is the real deal. Mm. Um, so you're kind of getting a window into what New York City was in 1975 when they, when they shot this movie. Um, he becomes obsessed first with a uh, a campaign worker for a senator who's a presidential candidate, played by Sybil Shepard, and then later with a 12-year-old prostitute played by Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the movie is kind of getting in the head of this um, mentally ill, uh, possibly schizophrenic loner, uh, kind of following him around in his cab and kind of... Uh, Getting inside his, uh, his head and his feelings. And eventually, uh, he decides that he's going to, uh, assassinate this, uh, presidential candidate. That kind of falls through. And then he decides he's going to rescue this, uh, this young prostitute. Uh, and then there's a, an orgy of, uh, of blood at the end as he, uh, as he kills, uh, mul- orgy. As he kills, uh, <laughs> multiple people. So yeah, I, this uh this movie was written by Paul Schrader and uh directed by Martin Scorsese and uh was partially inspired by the diaries of uh, Arthur Brimmer uh who uh attempted to assassinate uh presidential candidate George Wallace in 1972 oh. um so th- this is a, a guy who had tracked Nixon for a while he was going to assassinate Nixon and then he couldn't get close enough and he started following George Wallace around and eventually shot George Wallace four times, paralyzed him, did not kill him. Uh, he was released from prison a few years ago. I think he served about 35 years, but he was a, a mentally ill guy who wanted to make a name for himself uh, mm. by assassinating a politician. Am I wrong in saying I got I got the vibe that there was some sort of like PTSD left over from the war? Oh, well, yeah, I I felt like. Sure, there's some 
mental issues happening, but it, I, I viewed it as more of like a mental break, like lack mm-hmm. of, uh, attention to PTSD. They don't really say what he was doing in the war. Yeah. He was a Marine, right? He was a Marine. He, was he served in Nam and he says that he had a, uh, honorable discharge, I think. Which yeah. Cause the, the guy who was interviewing him was also a Marine or something like yeah. that. At the beginning of the movie, he's applying for the, the taxi license. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think that's accidental. I mean, that it's something you hear about all those movies in the seventies, but like, it's really about Vietnam and right. Watergate. That's, that's know? what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, and this is a time where all those assassinations in the sixties, uh, JFK, RFK, MLK, uh, were still obviously had scarred the country and still kind of fresh in everyone's mind. And, uh, so I, I think it's kind of like getting inside the head of, uh, of a loner assassin. Mm-hmm. Um, now you've liked other dark movies that have been on the list. You know, Seven, Silence of the Lambs, Toy Story Three, Toy Story Three, <laughs> perhaps <laughs> the darkest. Um, <laughs> that garbage scene, <laughs> garbage shoot scene. But I, I, but I think <laughs> the feeling of watching Taxi Driver is kind of uh, if. The movie it's seven had followed John Doe around for the whole movie, or Sansa the Lamps had followed Buffalo Bill around, you know, mm. uh, and you'd had to have been inside that person's head. Um, cause I, I don't necessarily think we're being asked to empathize with Travis, but I think other than the way in which it, when somebody's the lead character in a movie, you know, you're left with their thoughts and feelings, and so it's hard not to kind of project. Uh, yourself into that role. And it's, uh, it's a disturbing, uh, experience to watch mm-hmm. this movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies, go. I really liked the movie. Did you? I did. I really did. Yes. <laughs> a bit, I, but, but I don't, again, like all of those other movies you were rattling off that you were like dark movies. I'm like, didn't see it. Didn't see it. Didn't see it. Didn't see it. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Silence of the Lambs, but it's not like I've seen it recently. Right? Yeah. And from what I'm, from listening to the podcast, you've watched a lot of these and I know there are a couple of them that you opted out of. Yeah. That you're like, I can't take it. I can't take it. And when I'm watching this movie, I was like, I don't know if Carly's going to like this. And then I saw the last like 15, 20 minutes of it and I was like, oh, she's going to hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched, I watched the last part with my, like this, I, I, with my arm in front of my eyes because I, I can't handle that kind of gore. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, Oh, I like this even better than I like, um, well, Quentin Tarantino. This is where Quentin Tarantino gets it. And you know, these little things right. that you guys have thought millions of times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just having those thoughts for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was a wonderful story. Um, an interesting story, not like inspiring. <laughs> Just wonderful. I'm so inspired by this film. Um, but I loved, loved the music. I think more than anything. I, that music just hooked me in. It was a hook of the whole movie. They came back to that same melody. Yeah. That kind of put everything and put it down to like a spoken word. Um, that didn't match the feeling that visually that I was receiving. 
Oh. That's interesting. Yeah. Great. Yeah, the score is by Bernard Herman, who of course uh wrote the uh the scores for many Of course. many Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> films, uh including Psycho when we had our friend John Dinerstein. Yes. Uh, oh, that uh, was great. Uh who's a composer and has his own uh movie uh uh, score podcast, settling mm-hmm. the score. It's really good. Uh, he was on to discuss Bernard Herrmann's score on Psycho. Um, and, uh, this was the last score that Bernard Herrmann wrote. He died before the movie was released. Oh, but yeah, it, he doesn't use any strings in this. There's a lot of like dissonant horns. And then there's, this, there's kind of like a lovely saxophone oh, solo yeah. that kind of like emerges from that. So, those opening titles of like the, the cab, uh, coming out from like these, uh, sewer grates that are like, uh, pulsating steam and you're hearing that music. It, it's a very visceral beginning to the, uh, the movie. I, I, I do really like that opening. Carla, I think was not as into the music as I think the quotes will, <laughs> will reflect. Man, man. Oh man. Uh, so when I <laughs> texted Aaron to see if she could do this, I, I wrote what the movie was and I wrote, I'm sure I'm going to hate it. <laughs> and Aaron responded, at a girl. <laughs> yeah, you took a pass on the last Scorsese, which was Raging Bull. And I would have taken a pass on this, except that I only have one pass left. <laughs> yeah, and you're saving it for... Toy Story 3. <laughs> Probably for the number one movie on your list. <laughs> do you know what it is already that you can't say? I do. I do. Because... Not because since we've done this, he's told me, but I just always knew what his favorite movie was. Okay. We can tell you off mic if you'd like, uh, or if you'd prefer it to remain a secret. Good we can Lord. do that. Like Christmas. Maybe I'll wait for Christmas to be tell me. There's nothing. What did you like anything about this movie? Um, I think, I think what you're saying in terms of me watching a lot of these kind of movies recently mm-hmm. has something to do with it for sure. No, I didn't like anything about it. <laughs> well, well, I thought Jodie Foster was really great. She's freckles. She's just a baby. Yeah, she's a little baby, but she was really that scene in the diner. I thought was probably my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. Um, I it's, really wanted the Albert Brooks character to pay off more. I thought he was funny and interesting. I mean, he's Albert Brooks just doing his Albert Brooks thing of like well, he kind is of, kind except of. Except he was in love with her, obviously, and yeah. like trying to protect her. And there just didn't feel like a satisfying payoff to that whole. Like he didn't really need to be in the movie. <laughs> it's strange. Like I, uh, <laughs> I read one thing that, that said, uh, that Paul Schrader, the writer, had praised Albert Brooks's performance in the movie because he said that uh, that Tom, the character that uh, Albert Brooks played, was the one character he wrote that he didn't understand. And Albert Brooks was like, "Oh, really? You 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 didn't understand that guy? You understood Travis Bickle?" Which gave me a little insight into Paul Schrader, like the most normal guy uh, in the movie. But I mean, it does seem at times that Albert Brooks is just—I mean, it, it's. It's muted. I mean, yeah. uh, there, this, this movie does not have a lot of laughs in it, but if there are a couple, it's from Albert Brooks just kind of doing his Albert Brooks thing, mm-hmm. you know. I imagine that Martin Scorsese was just kind of a, a fan of his comedy and just like, I just want to get this guy in the movie somehow, you right. know. Because he is a little incongruous to the movie, but uh, but he's still a welcome presence, I think. I mean, I've, I've certainly thought about it in the past day since we've watched it, so I guess it had some sort of effect on me subconsciously. Um it upset me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
I think it's an upsetting movie. I didn't, and I didn't know it was going to, I had no idea. I had, I didn't even know that this was a movie that had you talking to me in it mm-hmm. until it was happening. I was like, uh, oh, <laughs> I'm, but I, did, I knew, I had a feeling it wouldn't be funny when it started with like jazz and steam coming. <laughs> <laughs> And it's definitely not a musical. Um, But I have been like consciously trying to put more, um, just more music and and fun in my um, entertainment part of my day. Like just Mm -hmm. listening to the radio, i.e. turning off the news, turning on music instead. And I started listening, but here's where I went wrong. I started listening to a podcast that's like tracing the life and um, issues of Charlie Manson <laughs> instead of listening to the news. You so must that- remember this? Yes. Oh yeah, my gosh. So good. Um, so don't tell me how it ends. <laughs> but like that is I'm like, okay, well, this isn't really feeding that like happy, sparkly part of my, myself that I'm trying to feed. And then I'm like, okay, we're going to watch a movie. This will be great. I'm like, oh boy, I'm, re- I'm really digging myself into a hole with all this dark stuff. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it gave me a lot to think about, but I did not like it. If sure. you're using the word like, yeah. right? That's fair. Yeah. I, I just think De Niro is so incredible in it uh he uh, apparently did uh get a taxi driver's license for a while and drove around new york like late at night like he was he was super method about it certainly i mean he's just really unsettling in it i mean you really believe him as this guy uh and yeah jodie foster i mean for a 12 year old is such a natural uh actress uh, just very real. Um, Harvey Keitel as the, uh, as the pimp. Um, <laughs> um, that was upsetting. Yeah. I mean, it's that, that's what it is. It's just too much upsetting stuff. Like, it's all my least it's favorite things about life, life in yeah. the movie. Yeah. Which I, mean, I know is the point. I understand, but I just, uh, I will say that, uh, I, Yes, I think Martin Scorsese makes a lot of movies about ugly subjects, but I think there's a lot of imitators um that have gotten the the kind of surfacey level of like here's some ugly stuff, here's some violence, gore, here's uh sex, uh but there's always kind of like a moral underpinning to Scorsese's movies and I think somebody who understands theology and Catholicism more uh, can probably explain that better, but I know like that his, uh, deep, uh, belief and his, uh, religious upbringing, uh, and then, and then Paul Schrader also was, uh, I believe was in the seminary for a while. So I think there, there's some sort of, uh, religious and moral underpinning to this mm-hmm. as well. And that, that shot of, uh, Travis after he's, uh, shot all those guys, um, you see an overhead shot, and I guess that's supposed to be God looking down. That was cool. I thought that the overhead shot, and I did remember that too, which made me feel like maybe I watched the beginning and I was like, "This is boring," and then I watched the last <laughs> ten minutes or something. So you're talking about the shot when they're when the camera's outside and you see just the hullabaloo and the police cars and the people, or, or like it starts like in the room and then it backs out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, you, it's, it's above them. You know, it's the kind of thing. It's almost like bullet time, you know, in a, in a matrix movie. Like that would easily be done with CGI now, but you imagine 
that's just the actors like standing still <laughs> as the camera kind of pans over wow. the, uh, the room. And it's, it was a, it wasn't a set. It was a real apartment that they had to like take out the ceiling mm. to get the camera wow. up there. Um, felt very Wes Anderson. <laughs> he does that, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, let's go through the movie chronologically a little bit with a segment that we like to call Carla's quote. <laughs> She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's quotes. <laughs> when we saw the opening titles, there's a very distinct font uh, to those titles. And Carla said, is this a robot movie? <laughs> and then she saw, and then it said, and Peter Boyle as wizard. And you said, there's someone named wizard in it. <laughs> So I think Carla briefly hoped it would be a sci-fi movie. I right. Think. Well, especially because I saw that and I was like, Frankenstein as wizard. Because Peter Boyle wasn't Peter Boyle Frankenstein and Young Frankenstein? He sure was. Yeah. I that was neat. <laughs> uh, so sorry, my phone went off. That was the rudest thing. But Carla, you're not wrong because the guy who designed those opening titles also did the Star Wars titles. So I oh. think it is. Uh, and maybe the Terminator too. So I think it's oh. a... It's a font that you kind of do associate with sci-fi, so. So proud of herself. Yeah. She's, she's thinking about what she's going to call our next, um, podcast about movies <laughs> and go off on your own. It will all just be about the titles of movies. So, uh, so Carla said, is this a robot movie? There's someone named Wizard in it. And then as soon as that saxophone started, Carla said, oh, it's a porno. <laughs> <laughs> There was some porno in it. There was. <laughs> so you were right again. Right. And then here's what you were very wrong here. You said, Paul Schrader, isn't that the musician from David Letterman? <laughs> <laughs> Paul Schaefer. <laughs> the Canadian guy. But it seems the same, right? <laughs> Schaefer, Schrader, you know, there's a couple letters that are different. <laughs> yeah. That guy's very talented. <laughs> a lot of crossover possibilities with the keyboard. <laughs> When we see that first scene of uh, Travis Bickle applying for the uh, the position, Carla said, "Baby face, Bobby." Oh, he Aww. looks so young, right? Yeah, yeah. He was probably, I don't know, thirty two, thirty three, maybe late twenties. Oh, yeah, really? I don't, I don't, I'd have to look that up. But this is seventy six. Yeah, forty one years ago. Yeah, we'll okay. uh, we'll, we'll get do a num- math. We'll get a number. We'll do, we'll do math. Thank you. Um, the and then the guy asked him, "Are you moonlighting?" And of course, Sybil Shepherd's in this movie. Um, so just uh, look. That's a Craig's thought. That's a that's a Craig's thought a of Craig's two, connection. Of, yeah, two completely random things. So, uh, but you know, this movie did kind of like, uh, unfortunately, anticipate. Uh, I mean, uh, this movie inspired John Hinckley to ins- to shoot the president. Okay, because when I was watching this, I was like, yeah, I get that. There's all these, it's like teaching us a lesson, a moral lesson, but there's crazy people who watch this and probably aspire to yeah. what's happening and think it's more a story about an awesome dude who's going to shoot up people. You know so what I mean? he, he became obsessed with Jodie Foster and then he shot Reagan in order oh. to, Im- in order to impress Jodie Foster. And the, uh, I believe I his, I realize that. Interesting. I believe his defense attorney played this movie for the jury. <laughs> Did you know that? No. I thought that he was the Catcher in the Rye guy. He also had a copy of Catcher in the Rye and also Mark Chapman who killed Lennon. 
yeah. had a copy of Catcher in the Rye as well. So I think uh, this movie kind of anticipated him too. This movie kind of anticipated Bernard Getz, who was the subway vigilante uh, who killed, or I, I, I believe he shot but not killed four black men on the subway in New York in the early 80s, and he was kind of celebrated as a hero. Um, so that kind of anticipates, you know, the, the way that people react to Travis at, at the end. Great movie, Craig. <laughs> we got really sad. That's like some heavy stuff <laughs> put out there. I'll have to burn some sage in this room after you leave. <laughs> and again, this is the dirty grinding. Aaron got so quiet when you were talking. <laughs> like, oh, boy. <laughs> Call me when you do Minions. <laughs> <laughs> number one just go back and listen to your manson podcast uh so this is the dirty grimy new york of the 70s uh and, and apparently while they were shooting too there was a uh a garbage man strike which is why there's so much trash on the streets though there's a lot of trash on the streets normally in manhattan to this day yeah um but carla said why did everything look so gross in the 70s <laughs> <laughs> oh it was in reaction to his apartment Okay. How they were like, did you notice that cracks everywhere in the walls and And who just leaves litter on the floor in their house of like cans? <laughs> like how mentally unfit are you as right. a human being? Yeah. You're just like, I'm just gonna throw this can on the floor. You can imagine how that place smelled, I think. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't even have a fitted sheet. Poor guy. <laughs> he needs another. Oh, he needs to go to that Woolworths that was down the street. <laughs> Now, frequently throughout the movie, we hear Travis's voiceover, which uh, is either his inner thoughts or a diary that he's writing. And again, it kind of uh, it's inspired by that diary of Arthur Brimmer, who was stalking uh, George Wallace. Um, but then we also hear about his feelings on his taxi job. Uh, and then uh, he says, uh, sometimes I have to wa- uh, wipe the cum off the back seat. Oh. And Carla said, Gross. And then he said, some nights I clean off the blood. And Carla said, gross! (laughs) And then he tossed the rag into the trash can and just wiped his hand on his pants. (laughs) Like, oh, let's go get a sandwich. (laughs) I'm all sanitized now. (laughs) Now, as you know, Craigslisters, Carla only has to watch a third of the movie in order for it to qualify. She did watch this entire thing. Here's why. Because of this one sitting to my right, right, I was like, I can't, I can't abandon her. So it was <laughs> solidarity with, with Aaron. Yes, and yeah. you're bummed that I liked it. Yeah. I know you're so upset. Because <laughs> when I finished it, I was like, that was really good. I'm like, Carly's gonna be so pissed. <laughs> because there's a scene with Scorsese as a passenger. That's really unsettling. That's when I decided I hated the movie. And I knew, and I, it was after that 40 minute mark where Carla had made it through a third. I'm like, you don't have to watch anymore because I knew that scene was coming up. Uh, I'm like, you don't have to watch anymore if you don't want to. That's actually the first time you've ever said that to me too. Usually I'm the one who's like, is it 40 minutes yet? Uh, yeah. do you know what scene we're talking about when Scorsese sitting in the back seat watching his wife in the window? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, you actually see Scorsese twice in this movie because when we first see Sybil Shepherd, she's walking down the street. She walks by and Scorsese is a guy sitting on the street right behind her. Weird. Uh, but I don't think he's supposed to be the same guy who's the, uh, the passenger. But let me ask you this, Carla. Yeah. Sybil Shepherd's character. What's her name? Betsy. 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 You don't think she just has the cutest 
dresses. <laughs> she does. I was like, I'm like, well, there's one thing. And every, every time they have a scene in her office or whatever, it's just windows and beautiful light and stuff. And yeah. And she looks, she's so beautiful and unbroken. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like before Hollywood broke her. Right. right, right. Way. Well, I actually really liked her character. Surprisingly, I thought she was, she did have the beginnings of some interesting stuff going on. But then they just dropped her, you know, in yeah. the story. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously the whole movie is from Travis's perspective, right. you know. I know, I get it. I'm just saying I would have liked to have seen more of her character. I'll, I'll ask you this. Uh, do you buy that she would go out on a date with this guy? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. the scene in the diner when she's like fascinated by him really helps me believe that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but, but I will. I I I'm like I was I was a little surprised when she agreed to go out with him, and and I was thinking because you always point out the perspective of of the women and, and mm-hmm. or how they're represented in the movies that you watched, and I did appreciate how her character was just like hard fucking out. Mm-hmm. You're like if someone brought me for like a yes. first or second date to a porno theater, and I would be like, nope. I'm yep. done. Like I'm done. Done. Goodbye. Yeah. Bye. No, yeah. me too. I thought that was yeah really cool. By the way, I actually I am happy that you liked this movie. <laughs> <laughs> really coming around. I mean, I still didn't like it, but I think it's good. Like it's a good perspective, and it's nice for Craig. So then he feels like <laughs> he's not ruining everything. <laughs> this is like when we had our friend Nancy for uh, Wings of Desire. Oh yeah. yeah, she really liked that yes. movie, and I was like, "What are we talking Vindication? about?" Vindication. <laughs> Aaron's still my friend, though. <laughs> yeah, I. It is weird that she does, you know, because we've been following Travis through the whole movie, so we know that he's a psycho, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and then he's kind of like stalking her from outside the office and then he comes in on the pretense of like signing up to volunteer for the political campaign, but he's really just trying to hit on her. Right. Um, but, uh, I like how Sybil Shepherd plays it that's like, she thinks this guy's kind of weird, but then she also like a- appreciates that he's like, forthright with her yeah and then you sense that like albert brooks is like the safe guy that she could be with mm-hmm. you know but yeah i mean that this and then he takes her to a porn movie on their date and she Which immediately the craziest thing immediately yeah. walks out yeah I mean, she goes all, in at first well, the whole you're in new york yeah there's so many other things you could do right <laughs> that's your go-to first date that was really Something's crazy wrong with you yeah uh yeah i thought I, it seemed he seemed very charming in that first scene with her. So for me, I was like, I can kind of get it. Yeah. And sometimes that aggressiveness is like, not that this has happened to me in a very long time, but can be like disorienting, but also like, oh, you must really like me if you're, you know, mm-hmm. approaching me out of the blue or whatever. But this is how, you know, bad situations happen, yeah. ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, be on your guard. <laughs> ladies, settle for the Albert Brooks. <laughs> or you'll end up in a porn house in Times you, Square. You think that she was gonna go with the Albert Brooks guy? You think he had a chance? Because I, I, I was so. like, no way. I felt like she was flirting with him a little bit, but not yeah. in a, in a friend fr- way. They're like, work friends. You're my friend, yeah. but not in a like. I don't think she took him seriously as a yeah. suitor. No, do you? I mean, absolutely not. Uh, 
earlier in the movie we see Travis go to a porn theater by himself, uh, and then the uh, the concession girl is Diane Abbott, who was De Niro's girlfriend at the time, and then we later saw her as his object of desire in The King of Comedy. Yeah. Uh, Rupert Pupkins. I like her. I wish that she had done more stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he's buying some uh, concessions from her. And <laughs> it's $1.85. Uh, and Carla <laughs> said, for all that, he got three things of candy, popcorn, and a soda for $1.85. <laughs> Can you just like go to the porn theater and get their concessions? <laughs> <laughs> and then walk out with it? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> You must watch at least 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> Are there porn theaters yes. like that still? There's one here in Portland. Really? I haven't been, <laughs> but I've heard about it. And I've, I mean, it's right on, on, um, what is it? On division. It's, I think it's called the Oregon Adult Theater. And of all the, uh, new construction in Portland where they're tearing down buildings and building new buildings, that place still maintains. Um, a lot of the weekly, new, the two weekly newspapers here have written articles about it. It's pretty interesting and that is and disgusting. That is fascinating to me. That yeah, that kind of place. I mean, did okay. So I have a question. But is this this place? The, are these the places where people get arrested? Like when Fred Willard got arrested a few well, years ago. I was about to say the one in Los Angeles where Fred Willard was arrested is called the Tiki. And it's on Santa Monica and Western. And, uh, for a while I did a, a play that was at a theater right around the corner from there. And Brendan Hunt, who was in the cast with me, would walk by the Tiki every night and get the, the titles of the uh, movies on the marquee. And then we would play Balder Tiki, which is Balderdash, where everybody submitted a fake porn title and Brendan would put in the two real ones and we'd have to figure out what, what the real <laughs> porn titles were. <laughs> so and that theater is still in so operation. The, but yeah. if it's a, okay, I don't mean to get too off track here. Sure. One quick question. Sure. If it's a place, a business that exists, why do people get arrested in there? Well, I, I believe it is still illegal to expose yourself uh, in public and to... Oh, I see. Okay. You're not arrested for merely patronizing the business. Oh, You're, I see. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, but there are but with like <laughs> sex clubs and stuff like that is you have to sign a certain waiver and I'm looking at Craig as if he like, knows. <laughs> I have like, never been more. into one of these places. I've never even gone to a strip club. Isn't that crazy? I think that's fine. <laughs> I think it's terrific. Now, strip clubs are uh, are all over the place in Portland. We yeah? Do, yeah. We, they have, there are a lot here. A lot. Like the most in any city, right? Something like that. But not full nude, right? I think they're full. Okay. I I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad that I learned so much today, you guys. I've been to a limited amount of strip clubs, and I, I find that when I am there, I am constantly trying to look at something else. Yeah. Because I think I'm so weirded out by it. I'm stirring my drink and staring at it. Just look at the menu. Oh, <laughs> I've been to two strip some clubs. Some good breakfast options. And the whole time I... Like I gave a lot of money because I was like, they're probably in college, <laughs> you know. It felt like that, yeah. I feel like it, was just, it should be a tax write-off because I feel like it's donating <laughs> to someone. But not no, under this new tax bill. Oh, oh here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, that one guy who tweeted at me to stop talking about politics. I'm going to be like, hey, Craig brings it up all the time. Uh. 
At one point during the movie, Carla stopped watching to watch a video of two old people grinding on the dance floor. Oh, yeah. Someone posted on Facebook two, two elderly people in Vegas. I, I think it was Vegas dancing. Yeah. It was really fun. Uh, so that, that was your brief escape from, uh, from the world of Taxi Driver. Uh, I hate this movie. You do, Craig? No, that was the Carla's quote. <laughs> At one point, Carla, or Carla, Travis, I, I conflate the two characters. <laughs> <laughs> Travis pours himself some Alka-Seltzer and the camera kind of zooms into it and Carla said, gross, there's little bugs in it. Did you notice that? I, there was something in his drink for sure. <laughs> yeah, like little black things. That black bugs. There's, there's a, a little scene with Sybil Shepard and Albert Brooks where she's like, hey, if you only had two fingers, how would you light this match? What is that all about? Yeah. I don't know. I think That's it's- what I mean. She was like flirting with him kind of, right, there? Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting because uh, we watched a little interview with Scorsese where he's like, the, the whole movie's from uh, Travis's perspective. And I'm like, it's not really because there's a couple scenes with just – I mean, you could say that he's like watching them from outside or whatever. And then there's another scene with Harvey Keitel and Jodie Foster oh, yeah. that uh, Travis would not be privy to at all. But it did seem like he was – because the, f- scene, the scene going into that scene was him sitting in the car looking up at their window. Okay. Yeah. I guess you, you can make that argument. Um but yeah, it, it's it's this thing where Sybil Shepherd saw this guy at a newsstand where really had two fingers who could light his own cigarette, and so Albert Brooks is trying to do it, and Carla said, "This is dumb. You're going to set your face on fire." <laughs> and he did. At one point, he said, "There's the weird Italian prejudice thing." Oh yeah, where's it's that? okay. There's like a in some of these older movies, there's like comments about Italian people that make it sound like there's um. A prejudice against Italian Italians. Marty can do it because he is Italian. No, but I just don't understand it. Do you know what I mean? I I know. No, you don't know what I mean, or no, you don't understand it either. I don't. I don't understand. I mean, I guess I didn't see it or or hear it. What part was it again? I forget. Oh, it was when Albert Brooks was like, "Oh, well, he's Italian." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. Implying that he could do like shady, weird stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Just saying, I don't understand the. I think I, I think it's it's a New York thing, for, and we talked about this with Polish people too. Right? Does it have to do with like the like the mob or whatever? That's what I was thinking. It York must be, yeah. Which isn't well. Now, forty years later, Italians and Poles are, are more assimilated into society. We've moved on to right. other ethnic groups being. I guess targeted. Yeah, more, I guess that's you know. true. Yeah. Well, we're doing our best. We're, we're, do- we're, we're doing our best. Yeah. <laughs> But again, like the movie is filled with Travis's monologues that have slurs for gays and blacks, you know, yeah. and, uh, I mean, that, that's, and a lot of the, the taxi driver talk in the scenes with Peter Boyle and everything is very kind of, uh, racist and homophobic as well. I mean, you, and sexist, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but you buy that that's probably how those guys talked, certainly. So then it's okay. <laughs> I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying that it's believable. He's trying to paint a big picture here. <laughs> Get it. Uh, back to Carla. Uh, I can't believe you're making me watch this movie. I mean, I can believe it. I'm just sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> that was after the, the scene where Martin Scorsese was talking about stuff that we won't talk about here. <laughs> and then during that scene where Travis comes in to flirt with Sybil Shepard, you said, stop flirting with him. And then you corrected yourself, ah, oh, victim blaming. 
on Albert Brooks. Poor Albert. This is really the thing that happens to him in every movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you're thinking broadcast news yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he does, he takes her out on uh, not quite a date, but they have to go to have a piece of pie or whatever. This is before he takes her to the, the porn theater. And then the, there's the whole thing of the uh, one of these days I'm going to get organized. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh, yeah. That was, and uh, then you got to see the picture later. You see the yeah. sign in his apartment later that he's oh, bought it. I missed okay. it. Yeah, uh, but Carla said no idea. These guys are not connecting. He's mad now. What? I don't understand. You're talking about Travis, and then you said he's a fucking creep. Uh, she recommends this Chris Christopherson song that has a lyric that reminds uh, her of him. He goes out to buy the record for her, who already owns the record. But you see him buying at the record store and then taking it into his cab. And Carla said, is he going to put it into his record player in his car? <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't that ever become a thing? There were some cars, like fancy cars, that had a vinyl player in the trunk. Oh. And so you could play, but why would it, I mean, there must have been some sort of stability for it to not skip, but I mean, that's ridiculous. (laughs) You know, (laughs) of course it would skip constantly. Um, this is (laughs) Carla during one of Travis's monologues. Are you there, God? It's me, Bobby. That's what it reminds me of. It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Judy Bloom. At one point, you see Travis uh, driving through Harlem, and a bunch of kids come out and throw eggs at his car. And Carla said, eggs. That happened to us once. I thought a bomb went off in my face. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were. it was the scariest. When did that happen? We were driving. A year ago? No, it was on the 4th of July. Oh, Specifically. So we were driving in L.A. on the 4th of July. It was like late at night. We were coming home. We were driving down the street that we drive down every day to get to our our house. Yeah. And then... uh, we heard this huge whack hit our car. It did sound like a gunshot or that we had hit something or whatever, but it was just like some kids probably had thrown an egg off of a roof. Oh my. Uh, onto our car. It hit right in the middle of our windshield. Right in the middle of the windshield. They got us good. It was a yeah, good throw. It was a really good throw. I was running one day and some kids threw a water balloon and it hit my back. No. And I swear, I thought I was shot. I didn't. Yeah. I know it sounds dramatic. <laughs> it took me by such surprise and it hurt. Yeah. And I like, it pushed me forward a little bit and I turned around and they were like, <laughs> oh, oh, I was mad. Did you go knock on their door and tell them? No, moms? I chased them, but I'm not uh, that good of a runner. <laughs> I jogged after them. <laughs> that would scare me it was so scary. much. Yeah. yeah. I thought, I thought we were shot <laughs> or a bomb went off. You thought a bomb went off in your face. <laughs> According to this quote, uh, when he takes her to the porno, Carla said, what is wrong with you? You're a sick person, Craig. Why do you like this movie? <laughs> uh, when Martin Scorsese gets in the car, Carla said, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were joking. I was joking. <laughs> and then after that Scorsese scene, uh, Carla said, Craig, you need to take this off your list. I'm being serious. I'm embarrassed that this is on your list, and I'm embarrassed that we asked Aaron to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm all like, I liked it. I really did. Ready to get my letter grade. Oh, no. Uh, (sighs) 
There's also this scene with Easy Andy, the gun salesman. Uh, oh, yeah. So this guy has these two briefcases full yeah. of guns. Travis buys like five guns off of this guy. For $1.85. <laughs> For $1.85, he gets three guns. And a packet a, of M&M's. And a packet of M&M's. <laughs> um, but that guy is a guy named Stephen Prince. And Scorsese made a documentary about him called American Boy, which is apparently just him like telling these crazy stories that he, I've never seen it, but I've always been interested to see it. Huh. And he also has an appearance in Richard Linklater's Waking Life, uh, where he has a, a long monologue about, uh, like a violent incident that he witnessed. So I'm kind of fascinated by this guy. And apparently he improvised all his stuff. Once the gun sale is down and he asks for, uh, uh, if Travis wants all these drugs and he rattles off like 20 drugs <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in a row. So, uh, clearly that guy had lived that life, uh, for real. Uh, and then, so then there's this famous scene of, of Travis, uh, shooting his guns. He, he, he creates this little, uh, thing that goes up his sleeve. Slide shelf. Oh, yeah. What is it? Yeah. A drawer, like a drawer slide. Yes. <laughs> Uh, to like, uh, shoot the gun uh, down his sleeve and into his hand. And Carla said, Oh, he's getting ready for something. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, we see Travis looking in the mirror and Carla said, This is the I'm walking here speech. <laughs> <laughs> you might be thinking of Dustin Hoffman and oh, Midnight boy. Cowboy, but you were. Same era. You were Same pretty, genre. pretty close. Same kind that of would be amazing. guy saying That would stuff. be amazing if he's looking in the mirror. He's like, I'm walking here. <laughs> he just starts practicing other movie quotes. <laughs> um, yeah, like the, you talking to me is so iconic. But actually like watching in the context of the movie, it's really scary and unsettling, you know. Yeah. Like De Niro's even parodied – he parodied it in the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie. Uh, <laughs> you know? Is that on the list? <laughs> <laughs> I can't reveal that. Because Aaron's seen it and she loves it. <laughs> Here's how Carla's mind wanders about halfway through a movie. Did you know that every piece of plastic that was ever created still exists? <laughs> now look at all this stuff. <laughs> It happens whenever there's a grocery store or a convenience <laughs> store scene. You're like, look at all that wasteful stuff. I it'd been a while since I'd seen the movie. I kind of remembered uh, the stuff with Iris, the Jodie Foster character, being more constant throughout the movie. I mean, he keeps kind of seeing her. She gets into his cab early on. He kind of sees her a couple times, but I didn't remember that their interactions are pretty late in yeah. the, uh, the movie. It's like the Sybil Shepherd thing phases out into this Jodie Foster thing. Yeah. Wait, question. So he, for no real reason that I can understand, he's trying to kill this senator that's yeah. running. I mean, as if to maybe impress or <clears throat> offend or just kind of something to do with Betsy. Yeah. That falls through. Um he had, and it's a, it's a, it, the secret a, service are on to him. They are. I mean, him. who wouldn't yeah. be with that horrible haircut? <laughs> Why would you do that? Yeah. And it's in, yeah. So he's on the run. And from there, he goes to find Jodie Foster, Iris, right? Yeah. And, why do you think then? Is he trying to redeem himself or what is, or is he just a lunatic? I don't know. I don't think he's trying to, I mean, in his mind, I think he, uh, trying to, he's trying to be a hero, I think. Right. Um, 
This movie is actually a loose remake of the John Ford Western, The Searchers, with John Wayne, because there's a whole plot of The Searchers in which John Wayne's niece, played by Natalie Wood, is abducted by Indians. Uh, and so that he's trying to rescue her from these Indians, but she's Native been Americans. Native Americans. Uh, <laughs> but she's been with them long enough that she's actually comfortable in that world and she doesn't really want to be rescued, you know. And then John Wayne's character is kind of, uh, racist, you know, uh, and he kind of goes ahead and rescues her <laughs> anyway. So like there's interesting parallels between this and the, uh, the mm-hmm. searchers. So because I, I mean, essentially he freed Iris and I did some quotes around air quotes around freed only to, for her to be imprisoned somewhere else. And so to speak yeah. with her cons- like seemingly conservative family that she wanted to be away from to begin with. Well, I mean, who knows if she's a 12 year old prostitute? I mean, she's probably suffered abuse, you know, and so if she ran away, mm-hmm. you know, she's probably suffered abuse in some other situation. So yeah, it's, it's not improving her situation necessarily. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think he, uh, he certainly has some sort of hangups about sex. Uh, and he sees himself as a, as a hero. And then the, Interesting thing is he is celebrated as a hero. If he had killed Palantine, the senator, two days before, you know, he would be an assassin. But instead, he rescues a a girl from uh, from uh, from pimp and is uh, is hailed as a hero. And we know the truth that he's a psychopath. <sighs> more <laughs> quotes. More quotes. More. <laughs> Too many quotes. Let's get over. Let's get this over with, you guys. <laughs> he does buy some time with uh, with Iris from uh, from her pimp, played by Harvey Keitel, and then she said, you know, he he has, I think, a half hour with her, and she she lights a cigarette and says, when that cigarette burns out, time's up. Carla said that can't be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before he gets his haircut in the mohawk, Carla said, oh no, no, you're talking about Harvey Keitel here. You said he looks like Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've not seen the disaster artist yet, but have we're, you seen it? Nope. we're excited to see it. Do you want to see it? I do. Yeah. I, I want to see a lot of movies. Yeah. I rarely go see them though, but you know, let's go, let's go see it go. this week. <laughs> yeah. we'll go. Here's a little Craig's quote, uh, during that scene with, uh, with, uh, sport and, uh, Iris where Harvey Keitel is kind of slow dancing with, uh, Ooh. Jodie Foster. He puts on a record, but it's the theme from taxi driver. And I said, he's got the taxi driver score on vinyl. <laughs> that's, <laughs> you thought that was pretty cute. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's me patting myself on the back a little bit for my, of all the things that are cleverness. happening in that scene, I couldn't stop looking at that one long red pinky nail. <laughs> I agree. Poor <laughs> other. So bold joy. Sport <laughs> biceps like that. Come on. That's a coke nail, right? Mm-hmm. But why is it red? <laughs> uh, when when we first see Travis with his mohawk, Carla said, "I should be him for Halloween next year." <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good. I would costume. freaking love it if you went as Travis Bickle for Halloween. <sighs> that would be amazing. Uh, I got that green jacket already. You do, you do, you do. You have that exact jacket. Yeah, all you need to do is shave your head into a mohawk, and then yeah. and like make a slide gun thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, De Niro is so 
creepy in that scene where he's about to assassinate the sinner because he's like he's got this big grin on his face and he's like he's like trying to like fit in with the crowd that's yeah. like excited or or whatever but he just stands out as being out of place yeah and then uh travis comes in shoots some guy shoots a guy's hand off it's really gross yeah. uh apparently that in order to prevent the movie from getting an x rating that uh scorsese had to uh, saturate the colors there to uh, downplay the blood a little bit. I mean, it's pretty gruesome mm-hmm. anyway, but apparently it was worse uh, when it was more <laughs> colorful. Um, but I think this is uh, this is in reaction to the mafioso who was in the room with Jodie Foster. Carla said, "Sydney Pollock, <laughs> 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 you were just wanting more directors' uh, cameos." And uh, and then Carla said, uh, "This music is silly." <laughs> <laughs> Was it what, what music was it? The music think, that you love. I think it was oh. the saxophone <laughs> the music theme. I think it was the saxophone theme again. Okay, so then this is like this is the movie. There's like eight minutes left in the movie. This is yesterday. We're watching the movie. I also had to go to rehearsal. We had to walk the dogs. Carla said we should walk the dogs. I paused the movie. We went down, walked the dogs, came back up, I grabbed my stuff, left for rehearsal. And then when I came home last night, I was like, oh, we need to finish watching the movie. She's like, it wasn't done. <laughs> Oh, so that scene where the camera goes up over the people—it felt like an ending. It felt like it was yeah. over. She thought that was the—I mean, that's fair to say because the the last few minutes is really just a kind of an epilogue, yeah. to that. So this morning we put back on the movie to watch the last couple scenes, which is just you see Travis's hospital room and you hear the voiceover from Iris's dad, who's written him a letter congratulating him, and then there's a final scene with uh, Sybil Shepherd getting in his cab, or is that real? We don't know. Um, oh, but, it's not maybe real. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. we'll talk did, about that. We'll but, talk about that in the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the last thing Carla had said when we turned off the movie yesterday was, "This music is silly." I turned the movie back on, and Carla said, "This music is ridiculous." Did I really? <laughs> yes. Carla. So we picked oh, up the jazz, baby. <laughs> Say what you will about Carla, but she is consistent. <laughs> and then there, there's a little, there's a little newspaper photo of her parents, and Carla said, "Yep, her parents are 100 years old." <laughs> well, it, the reason is they're Scorsese's parents. Oh, that's Aww. he has a cameo from his parents in all of his movies when they were alive, and so that's a picture of them. So yeah, they were absurdly old. It's, well, I think her character was probably adopted by them, and she uh, came from a, a probably a place of abuse. There you go. Oh, uh, I'll buy know. that. Thank I you. I like that. But Thank still you. not. Still, what about the the jazz? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still not on board with the jazz. <laughs> but it's like Mrs. Kentner in Jaws, right? Like right. The, those parents were absurdly old as well. Yeah. Like it's just a seventies thing. Um, I've always interpreted that last scene with Sybil Shepherd as a fantasy. Ah, oh. because now, because when we first see her, we j- only see her in his rearview mirror, and she's kind of hazy. And also, I think it's ridiculous that like that she would be like, "Oh, Travis, it's you," <laughs> you know. Right. So I've like I've always interpreted that of the, being in his own mind. There's other people who think that everything after the shootout is his di- dying thoughts. So the the letter from Iris's parents, and then the uh. final scene that this is just what's going through his head as he dies. Paul Schrader and Martin Scorsese say, nope, it's all supposed to be real. Um, but then Paul Schrader also says that you could 
after Sybil Shepherd gets out of the car, there's a little thing where he like catches his own reflection yeah, and like kind and of like weird. and kind of startles himself and you're like, Oh, this guy's fucking crazy. Paul Schrader says you could splice the beginning of the film back to the end and it could start all over again. Oh, wow. Um so but I <sighs> that's a lot of thoughts. To yeah, me it, it works it works best as a fantasy sequence in my mind, but it doesn't. I mean, there's no indication that it would be a fantasy. It, it, there was no like, doodly 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 <laughs> kind of thing. That's always convenient. Well, when the they way do that, that she yeah. was talking was kind of strange. I thought, like, she was very much like, you know, yeah. So maybe that. I mean, yeah. I mean, it almost sounds like she might be interested in him again. Yes, but that, yeah. But the porno thing, she's like, well, I'm not into it. Right. Huh. I don't know. I mean, it could be that she literally got in his cab, but we're only hearing his interpretation of the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as if that now that he's proven himself to her and he's her hero, but you know, maybe in reality she said nothing of the sort, you know? Um, anyway, Carla said, what, what did that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and that's Yay. probably a good place to go out on on this movie. One more question. Yes. I like your shoes, by the way. Thanks. I'm talking oh to my. Carla. Thanks. I, I was about to take too. the compliment. Um. So he tries to shoot the senator guy, fails it. Uh, he's pursued by Secret Service. When he reaches, when he saves this prostitute, and he's in the paper and all this stuff. No one recognizes him with that awful haircut. Right. Good, yeah, good, good point. You know? Good point. I don't know. I but they didn't really me. have anything on him except that he was behaving suspiciously, right? Yeah. Because he was just reaching for his gun when. Yeah. And they didn't really see a gun. They were just kind of on top of it as. There's a good scene where he's kind of stalking the senator a couple days before and, uh, he talks to a secret service man and the guy's like, uh, well, we could, uh, you know, you give me your name and address. We can send you all the information you want on how to be in the secret service. And he's like, yeah, yeah, my name is, he makes up a clearly fake name. (laughs) I'm Henry Winkler. I'm the Fonz. (laughs) Yeah. And he gives him, he gives him a six digit zip code. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, you want to give this movie a letter grade? I'm giving it an A. Yes! <laughs> I really liked it. Best guest ever. Uh, sorry, Carla. Carla, well, how about you? C minus. <laughs> what, does that C, what does that C minus stand for? Uh, uh, creep. Creep, creep. Creep minus. Creep okay. minus. Creep, creep, creep. Uh, well, how it was about a little... going to be an F and then Aaron gave it a better... How about a little... Aaron's A bumped my F up to a C minus. <laughs> oh, so you're saying that's... Oh, yeah. There's a curve. Okay, that's on a curve, yeah. Curve. Um, how about a little khaki theater? Okay. So uh, this is a scene that's not in the movies. This Travis is in the hospital, is recovering from his gunshot wounds, and he gets a visit from his uh, cab driver buddies, uh, uh, Wizard and Doughboy. Travis, oh, man. You you okay? You all right? Hmm? Talking to me? Clearly, we're talking to you. We're looking at you. We're standing in your hotel Travis, room. Travis, you said that like, I don't. Uh, I don't see anybody else here. I feel like you really rehearsed that line, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean rehearsed the line? Uh, hey, w- Wizard Doughboy, what, what are you guys doing here? 
Well, uh, we were in the neighborhood. And, and so, we uh, thought we might yeah, take a break. Uh, we thought we'd come in and say, hey, hey, hey. Hey, uh, we're real proud of you, man. Dude, look at that neck wound. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, I got shot right in the neck. Hey, what do you guys think of my new haircut? Well, <laughs> I got a couple hats. You're gonna be cold this winter in New York. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll help you out with that. <laughs> so what uh, what's what's been going on? What did I miss? Well, uh, a lot of prostitutes. A lot of prostitutes. Per usual, w- wiped a lot of cum out of the backseat this morning. I got a little blood. Ooh. You know, wiped it on my pants. But no yeah, then we had some sandwiches. <laughs> From Italian. Oh. <laughs> hey, don't nobody say anything bad about Italians don't around here. Don't get me started on Italians. Someday a real rain's going to come and wash all the scum off the street. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, we, we, we like you most of the time, Travis, but every now and again. Travis, uh, so now that you're in the hospital and you have some time to think of it, you uh, think about any special ladies in your life or what's going on? Yeah, 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 single? Yeah. Tell yeah, us about the ladies. Got a few special ladies. I get this... Uh, Twelve and a half year old girl. Whoa, really whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> no, no, it's not like that, you sick fucks. No, she's uh, her name is Iris. You know, and that's she's, a good name. It is a good name. I twelve. I mean, what are you doing here? You doing comic kind of, books with her or something like yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, you're reading the the stories. Oh, she's a Libra. You know, I'm a Libra too. You know, it's, uh, it's a little balance. You know. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> What's going on with your arm there, Travis? What you got strapped to your arm? Yeah, what's happening over there? Come a little, come a little closer. Whoa, hey, whoa, buddy! Is that a drawer on your arm? <laughs> I got a drawer on my arm. Wow! Look, it's a new thing. Everyone's gonna be wearing them very soon. You know, some Gucci shit right there, baby, <laughs> baby. <laughs> hey, Travis. Hey, I I found this uh this piece of a bathtub with Judy Garland's. It was from Judy Garland's bathtub. Uh, you want to sell it for me? Why would I sell it for you? I don't understand that. <laughs> hey, look, if he doesn't take you up on that bathroom piece, I will. That is a nice looking piece of a bathtub. <laughs> yeah, you're a good friend, Wizard. All right. Hey, Wizard, you're a robot, right? <laughs> hey. And <Let's> see. <laughs> Wow. I forgot about that bathtub. <laughs> yeah, what what are we so talking weird. about right now? He's trying to sell a piece of Errol Flynn's bathtub. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, he's like, hey, if you can sell it for me. Uh, split it. We'll split it. Oh, <laughs> Travis, you have an eBay account? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> it's all in the pictures in the description. Uh, Aaron, I just want to reiterate, you're the best <laughs> guest we have ever had. <laughs> On this podcast, your yeah, maybe we'll ask you about <laughs> <laughs> your taste is immaculate. Uh, by the way, uh, taxi driver gonna stay on the list. Gonna stay on the list, Carla. Um, though I think uh, I think I prefer Raging Bull, though. So I oh. think uh, I think Have you I'll seen that? P- haven't seen that. <laughs> now it- that I now that you're a big Marty Scorsese oh, De Niro fan. You like you like sports. You like boxing, right? Do, do you like well, boxing? Do I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's got some violent boxing scenes. I I and, remember listening to the podcast and being like, hmm, now I understand why she skipped it. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen it before too. I don't need to see that again. Yeah, but uh, I'm gonna move Taxi Driver down a bit uh, behind Raging Bull. I okay. think, but it's definitely staying on the list. Uh, 
Aaron, this episode is coming out on December 13th. What's going on with you? Anything you want to plug? Yeah, um, over at the Siren Theater here in Portland, we have a Christmas sketch show that's happening Yay. on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. What is that, the 15, 16, 17? Mm-hmm. That sounds right. Yeah, something, something like that. It's great. And we also have the Stumptown Improv Festival coming up 2018 in August. Don't have those weekend dates yet, but stay tuned. It's stumptownimprov.com. It's such a fun festival. Carla and I have played that as Orange Tuxedo the last couple of years and had an amazing time both Thank years. You. Thanks yeah. for having us. Great improv scene in Portland, and it's just a great fucking town. <laughs> I uh, also want to plug one more thing. Yeah. I write, uh, it's not happening right now because we're off season. I write a blog for the Portland Thorns in the Portland Mercury here in Portland. Cool. Portland, Portland, Portland. So, yeah. Uh, it's a combination of sports and comedy. Read the blog. It's fun. Where can they see it? Find it? They go to themercury.com to okay. Blogtown. Blogtown. Mm-hmm. And it's the thorns? The thorns. <laughs> nice. Carla, anything you want to plug? Nope. <laughs> well, there will be a live Craigslist podcast coming right. up in about a wow. month in San Francisco. Only the second live one we have ever done. Yep. Uh, this is going to be at, uh, SF Sketch Fest on, it's on a Sunday. And specifically that date, of course. Filling time, is... filling time, filling time, filling time. <laughs> Jazz is. music. I wonder. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> That's going to be Sunday, Sunday, January 14th in San Francisco at Sketchfest. We're going to have Busy Phillips yeah. as our guest. And we're going to talk about the movie Raising Arizona. Oh, yeah. that's a fun one. I've seen that movie. There oh, we go. That's one yes. of the 12 movies that Erin has seen in her life. <laughs> and uh, we're also going to be paired with our good friends Mark and Hal for their We Got This podcast. And they've got... Uh, Cameron Esposito. And Rhea Butcher. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what uh, What a fun pairing of uh, of two great podcasts with uh, two great sets of guests. So if you're going to be in the Bay Area that weekend, please come and check out. And we're also teaching an improv workshop. We're teaching uh, our how to improvise like a married couple. You don't have to be married to workshop. take it. No. Any, you just need to want to be better at improv. Uh, Carla. Right. <laughs> I really thought that we were in that segment on the list where every movie you would like more and more, but uh, I, I'm sorry that that did not happen. I'm happy to disappoint you. <laughs> uh, so, Carla, the next movie uh, on Craigslist is number 42, and that's going to be Touch of Evil, uh 1958 film directed by Orson Welles. Okay. But next week... We're going to do a Carla's list. We are. As a matter of fact, because next week's episode is going to be December 20th. We want to do a Christmas episode Mm -hmm. and you're way more into Christmas movies than I am. Yep. So what are we going to watch? We're going to watch my two favorite Christmas movies. Oh boy. (laughs) Uh, White Christmas. Yes. With Bing Crosby, right? Very dark. Long one, very dark. There's a, a lot of very upsetting, uh, violent scenes in that. And, uh, Christmas Vacation. Oh, yes. Both of which have 12 year old, uh, hookers in them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So next week, please join us for a special Carla's List Christmas episode and then join us in two weeks where we'll cover Orson Welles' Touch of Evil. Back, back to the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Thank you. Let's go shoot some BB guns. The list is an absolute good. The list is life.